Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. From the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network for movie talk, Alicia Malone with Scott Movie Mance and the Schmoes Know, this is Profile. In-depth spotlights on the greatest filmmakers and artists in motion picture history. Hello, Profilers! I think if you were just watching then, you saw uh, a bit of the dance that we do every time the opener comes on. This is what we do. This is what we do. We like to start, and then the music kind of fades out. Oh, yeah. Well, I got to tell you, this is a great day. Not only are we profiling the legendary two-time Oscar winner, Jane Fonda. Yep. But after being gone for 10 days, she <laughs> is back. My life is complete again. Alicia Malone is back in town from a holiday in Japan. But so, I didn't miss an episode of Profile. No, so she didn't. It's like I never left. So, domo arigato for being back hey, in Hollywood to do Profiles. Just in time for a legend, a screen legend, who I feel like has gone underappreciated. An actress who was way ahead of her time, mm-hmm. a, a producer, mm. an activist, mm-hmm. and a fitness guru yeah. who was way, way, way ahead of her time. Of course, we're talking about Jane Fonda. She is one of my personal heroes, not only for the work she does for women in film. You know, she co-founded the Women's Media Center. She also sits on the board of V-Day, a charity that I support, which is against violence against women. Um, and a lot of my proceeds from the t-shirts that we sell, I give straight to V-Day and she's on the board. She's of course also a great actress, an author, you mentioned producer as well, an activist, political activist. She's got two Best Actress Oscars, an Emmy, a Tony nomination, an Honoré Palm d'Or Cannes Film Festival and as you said, the all-time top grossing home workout tape. And let me tell you, I did it the other day because I downloaded it with all the other movies on my Amazon Kindle and I did the workout and it's still really tough. It still holds up, <laughs> it doesn't my it? Butt. Yeah. Just like the movies and the performances. For sure. Those workout videos. I mean, listen, Jane Fonda was way ahead of her time. She was a strong woman pushing for things, not just beliefs, but also for roles and films that she produced through her production company yeah. at a time when it was even more rare than it is now and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be rare at all but she was a trailblazer a groundbreaker and she always took on roles that were close to her heart strong women and again strong th- and strong complex women strong vulnerable women that was the thing that i really noticed when i rewatched her films was how she played these characters that were allowed to be all things you know they weren't stereotypical female characters not all of them anyway and particularly the ones that she produced and i feel like a lot of the movies had really strong issues that she produced they did and these are movies that still pack a punch even a movie that you think would feel dated is even more relevant now than when it, when it came out in 1980. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to talk to you about this movie. I'm sitting oh, watching yeah. this movie, and you'll probably guess what it is. But I'm telling you, Leash, when I was watching this movie, I was like sitting there watching on my couch, relaxing, and then I sat up and I went, oh, boy, oh, boy, we're going to have a lot to talk about with this. Mm-hmm. But the amazing thing, too, about Jane Fonda, she took 14 years off from acting. She basically retired in 1991, came back with a vengeance in 2005 with Monster-in-Law, comedic Role, but she's also done amazing work on television in Newsroom mm-hmm. and on Grace and Frankie with her friend Lily Tomlin. Yeah, amazing. She made that movie we're going to talk about very shortly with. Yep. But, uh, you know, she she's is. She's a TED speaker as well. She's an author. Yeah, she's great. So, what the hell took us so long to do Jane Fonda? I That's know. the question. And I think she is really underrated. It wasn't until I started doing this research that I realized that she's been nominated for seven Oscars. Seven. I knew she'd won some, but and I should be nominated some. But when you see seven in a row, you think, wow, she is one of the most important actresses we have today. And when you watch, uh, definitely watching the films again, maybe one of them that I'd never even seen before that Mm. wasn't on our Fast Five, but I still watched it anyway, you just go, holy cow, if there's any career that needs to be re-evaluated and re-appreciated, it is Jane Fonda's. Such an interesting life. A wonderful life. A wonderful life indeed. Yes, and so it's time to look at our wonderful 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For life video, our bio of Jane Fonda. Roll, Roll it. it. Actress, writer, producer, activist, sex symbol, fitness guru, Oscar winner. Jane Seymour Fonda was born on December 21st, 1937 in New York City. Her mother, Frances Seymour Brokaw, was a New York socialite, and her father was legendary actor Henry Fonda. Her brother is actor Peter Fonda, and her niece is actress Bridget Fonda. After a brief modeling career, which saw her grace the cover of Vogue, twice actually, Fonda switched to acting and studied under the great Lee Strasberg at the famed Actors Studio. Her stage work in the late 50s led to a burgeoning film career in the 60s, starting with 1960s Tall Story, which co-starred Anthony Perkins. Fonda averaged two movies a year until her breakthrough performances in 1965's Cat Baloo, 1966's Any Wednesday, and 1967's Barefoot in the Park, the latter of which co-starred her frequent collaborator, Robert Redford. But if 1968 sci-fi spoof Barbarella established Fonda as a sex symbol, it was 1969's They Shoot Horses, Don't They? that established her as an Oscar contender for the very first time. Over the next decade, Fonda starred in one great classic after another, winning two Academy Awards for Best Actress for 1971's Clue and 1978's Coming Home. She was nominated five other times. Wow, and special wow. thanks to the Pit Boss for lending your voice as always. Go and JTE, Ken. who recorded that over at Screen Junkies, to buy for us. So oh, thanks, thanks guys. We appreciate thanks, that. guys. We love Screen Junkies. <laughs> Well, you know, this is an actress who was very driven. Uh-huh. And she is, you know, she actually said, quote, when I start down a path, I know it's the right path. I go with all of me. And when you look at her performances and when you look at her side project with the fitness stuff, it is amazing that she really does put everything into everything that she does. For sure. Yeah. She researches all her roles. She really goes for it all. And I believe we have the same first blood when it comes to Jane Fonda. Let's hear yours. Nine to five. Nine to five. Five. Now, I know you did not see this in the cinema. No. <laughs> so when did you see it? I didn't. I saw it in the 80s. I think it was more towards the late 80s because I became obsessed with Big Business, which also starred Lily Tomlin. <laughs> oh, yeah, the train. Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler, and I loved that movie. So then I started looking through all the Lily Tomlin movies, yeah. and I saw it 9 to 5, and I thought that sounded kind of familiar. Um, and I watched it, and I loved it so much, and I hadn't seen it since then. So I remember it's just seeing it once as a kid, enjoying it, and then when I rewatched it as we'll get to, I have a new appreciation for oh, that yeah. film. No question but I thought it was it. really funny. It has almost a cartoonish quality to it so watching it as a kid, even though it's, it's kind of dark, it still was hilarious. And Dolly Parton she's so cool. And of course Jane. Well, Lovely Jane. This was my first blood as well. well in the cinema? I did see this in the cinema. Yay. It came out in 1980 at the same time my parents uh, took me to see The Shining. <laughs> it's was, like a palate cleanser is 9 to 5. Absolutely it was. But what I remember, of course, was the song. Yep. But I also remember this was a very big deal at the time, showing three women, executive yeah. assistants more or less, taking revenge against their boss. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a film that sort of segs quite nicely into our Fast Five. Yeah, so Fast Five at number five. Let's hear that audio. Where, where are you going? Why are you driving so fast? What is the matter with you? (laughs) (laughs) Nine to five. five. Released on December 19th, 1980. One Oscar nomination Mm -hmm. for Best Original Song for Dolly Parton, who made her feature film debut with this movie. It's directed by Colin Higgins, who also directed a movie called Foul Play. And this is a landmark film, a controversial film. And let's give it a high five for a movie that is more relevant now than ever. What did you think watching this movie I don't even think we should high five that. I think we should say, like, why is this still relevant? Yeah, that it's right. still 
talking about these like sexist bosses and women, you know, who are struggling in the workplace and, you know, <laughs> trying to get their opinions heard. Of course, not everyone's like that, but it was, it would definitely, I related to a lot of the themes in this watching it now yep. as an adult versus when I was a child. I love that it's based on an idea from Jane Fonda herself. She said, I've always been attracted to those 1940s films with three female stars. It was originally going to be a drama, but Fonda thought it might be too feminist and a bit too preachy if it was a drama, so they <laughs> yeah. made it into a comedy. Of course, she also wanted to work with Lily Tomlin, who is so great at comedy. And Jane did a lot of research for the film. She talked to a lot of women to get their stories. And she asked Colin Higgins to write a screenplay showing that you can run an office without a boss, but you can't run an office without the secretaries. Well, that's true. <laughs> but the chemistry between these three ladies, Jane Fonda, Dolly Parton, and Lily Tomlin, really does make the film. So the scene different. Where they all get high. It's like, it. it's such a, you know, one of those pop cultural movie moments. Uh-huh. They all, all have different dreams of getting back different against fantasies. Daphne Coleman, plays Franklin M. Hart Jr., who is, quote, a sexist, sexist egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. Yes. We almost got it right. But this was a film that was, it was a very big deal. It holds up very well. I mean, unfortunately, it's timely now for, for better or worse, mostly worse. A look at sexism, ageism, diversity, equal pay for women, you name it. This movie touches on all of those things and by the way her production company uh this was the third of six movies that she produced through that company amazing and even the new york times vincent Campy loved the film saying there's some sort of lesson to be learned from the fact that the biggest laughs in nine to five depend on enthusiastic unabashed sexism <laughs> whoa <laughs> and i love the the three different characters because they are so different from each other i love how they all band together and this kind of evil plan but even the boss i mean he is all those things but he's also got that likable quality about him too so is that coleman yeah yeah, yeah. also the same year i think he made or maybe the following uh two years later he did tootsie yes you know which is sort of almost like the same kind of role very yeah so it's like it's like you enjoy seeing him all uh you know strung up and being tortured but yep. at the same time you're rooting for him a little bit as well i mean i, I just love these three ladies and the way they put their minds together and then they really take on the world and you know jane father she's better known for her serious dramas but she's very funny she's very funny she's very funny if you go back to like barefoot in the park yeah and uh, uh obviously you know fun with dick and jane and definitely nine to five yep. and later on Cat monster Blue, yeah yeah she's funny mm-hmm. but people don't appreciate it with the comedy but they will now. And you definitely can see, you know, this was the start of Dolly Parton's film career, like you said, and you can definitely see that chari- like that charismatic quality that she has and, and she she really draws you in with her personality. I love that. Well, what I love is that the profilers love this movie as well. Our very loyal profiler Lynette Charles says, this is such a fun movie. Three diverse secretaries take revenge on their sexist egotistical boss, played <laughs> by Dabney Coleman. Jane Fonda convinced plays Judy, a recently divorced housewife who ventures out into the workforce. Lily Tomlin is Violet, the underappreciated supervisor who shows Judy the ropes. Dolly Parton is Southern gal Dora Lee. There are crazy annex, both fantasy and revenge. They abduct their boss and run the business themselves. The movie shows how bosses abuse their positions and power, which I think still occurs in this day and age. <laughs> uh, just like to mention what a fantastic job you both do, Alicia and Scott. Love you both for it. F- hashtag Film Geek. Oh. Hashtag Profile for Life. Thanks, Lynette. She's always such a great supporter of us. Uh, Billy Polhan is another one who's a great supporter. Yes, and he's he watching is. live right now on YouTube. Hi, Billy. Hi, Billy. He says, 9 to 5 was a film I heard about for a very long ta- time, but I never got around to watching it until this profiles now having seen it it's the most down-to-earth film about work i've had the chance to see everyone has had those days where they've wanted to kill their boss and this film uses that concept the best way possible but executes it to where they show the consequences if you did or in this case think you had axed him or her out (laughs) being that this was the first jane fonda leading role i've ever seen i had no idea what to expect and i just couldn't believe how sexist and rude dabney colvin's mr hart was 
dollars to these hardworking women. I enjoy Jane Fonda, and thanks to Profiles, I found a new actress that I love to watch. I love oh, it's it. Great hashtag film gig hashtag profile for life. That's so great, and I think Billy makes a good point that even though it is about women in the workplace, I think everyone, if you've had a terrible boss and you've had fantasies, <laughs> which is about everybody, that boss, yeah, then you can definitely relate to nine you know, to five, regardless of of the sex, the gender, whatever. Yeah, this is something that everyone can relate <laughs> to. Sure. And you know, but the movie does touch on ageism, and I thought it was interesting. I read a oh, quote yeah. from Jane Fonda that where she has embraced her mm-hmm. age versus being sort of uh, uh, afraid of it or, yeah. or you know worried that it might affect her career. I saw an, on an interview recently with uh, Stephen Colbert she said she now feels the happiest she ever has in her life and she uh, feels the youngest. That's great. She actually was quoted as saying, aging is not what we used to think it was. Where you peak at middle age, it's an ascending it's like ascending a staircase into growth, wisdom, well-being and happiness. Yeah. So there you go. Absolutely. That's awesome. Killing it. Well, what is your your right stuff. Very <laughs> curious to hear about this one. That was hard to choose because I was going to go with the fantasy sequence from 9 to 5 where uh. they all pictured the various ways that they would like to off Mr. Hart. <laughs> Especially funny that scene because it ends up happening in real life. I thought that was really clever part of writing. But I went instead with the disco scene from Clute. Now, if you haven't seen Clute out there, you might know, not know which what I'm talking about, but uh, Jane Fonda will talk about this film more but she plays a a call girl brie daniels and she gets caught up in this uh this creepy investigation at one point she sees an old former friend who has just fallen by the wayside with drugs and feeling very worthless so she's shaken up by that she runs out of the car away from donald sutherland goes into this disco and sort of starts to put on the act again of you know being a call girl and she goes up to one guy she goes up to another guy then she ends up next to her old pimp but she looks like a little girl she looks so fragile and vulnerable in that moment and then she turns around she sees donald sutherland staring at her and it's no worse in that scene but it says so much who's the pimp who's the pimp it is Roy Scheider wow I totally forgot about that this is 1971 my right stuff was a film is from a film that I saw close to when it came out Uh, it came out in 1978 but I actually watched it in an English class uh, when I was in 8th grade my English teacher was a big movie buff Mm -hmm. so it was I actually saw Dr. Strangelove in his class oh wow and yeah I mean had nothing to do with English but it was very very cool because I remember when we watched Dr. Strangelove and I remember when we watched Coming Home yeah, Coming Home and the you know for a 12 year old to see that love scene Yes. Between John Voight and Jane Fonda. Yeah. So what I remembered about it specifically. John Voight plays a paraplegic war hero. And this was one of the first times, if not the first time, a love scene was depicted between a paraplegic mm-hmm. and someone who was not. And like the start of when they're together, it was inevitable that this was going to happen. But she finally says, what do I do? Yeah. Because she's never been you know with yeah. someone like that or let alone okay? made love yeah exactly but just the intimacy of that scene is so romantic and uh-huh. sexy and real and honest yes very and honest and raw yeah and it is a scene that still holds up when watching it to this day. It's just a very, very powerful love scene. And uh, among many, many great scenes from her movies. I know. It was hard to pick just one. Very hard. Well, let's just take a second to take care of some business here. Business time. So we're going to switch back and forth because usually I do it or Alicia does oh, it. Okay. So we're going to trade. So I'm going to start by saying <laughs> go to iTunes and go look for profiles and make sure you subscribe and, very importantly, rate and review us on iTunes. We would love to get back on the top 10 list for film and TV on iTunes. Yeah. And we need these ratings anyway to survive. So please go to iTunes and subscribe to Profiles. And hey, someone on YouTube just said that they want me to record their uh, voicemail voice. So, you know, if you want to hear Profiles, you can hear our voices on iTunes, but you can see us on YouTube, youtube.com slash popcorn talk network. We are live every second Tuesday at 3 p.m. PST, or you can watch it anytime and make sure you catch up on previous episodes because these episodes don't date. So you can always come back to them, enjoy, watch some movies over Thanksgiving, come back and enjoy a, a 
episodes of Profiles again. Yeah, you got some time off for the holidays. Go back and watch our older episodes of Profiles. They hold up. They are still still relevant. Make sure you go to our Facebook page, which is Profiles with Malone and Mance. Uh If you want to join in on the fun, if you want to, to rank our movies, to say what you love about our movies, to like our Facebook page so that you know who we're going to profile next, please go to our Facebook page, Profiles with Malone and Mance, and like our Facebook page. You will have the best time. And if you would like to look as cool as we do in these fancy t-shirts, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're not on iTunes, just imagine that we're wearing Profiles merchandise, which you can buy on tpublic.com slash user slash profiles. Mance is sporting the classic hashtag film geek which is our most popular t-shirt <laughs> I am sporting the Profiles of Malone and Mance, Robert Zemeckis Back, Back to, to the, the Future, future style. t-shirt yes. thanks so much to uh, our brilliant designers for helping us with this and like I said I donate my profits to the charity that Jane Fonda is on the board of V-Day and I'm um, donating my profiles to the same charity as well because hey. that is how we roll Thank you. and also very much very important make sure you follow us on Twitter yes. drum roll oh, please at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mance, at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mance, at Alicia Malone, <laughs> at Movie Mance, because it's all about the pause. <laughs> and Daniel on YouTube says, seeing profiles on YouTube is great. Scott Mance is a handsome dude. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> there you we go. Do. There you go. Okay, well, let's keep moving through our Fast Five. At number four, let's hear it. I don't think he's going to come back again. I just don't want to be alone right now. Wow, Clutes. What a movie. <laughs> Came out June 25th, 1971, directed by Alan J. Pacula. The name sounds familiar. He directed All the President's Men. Another yeah. paranoid thriller, just like this one, cost $2.5 million to make. Total box office was $8 million domestically. Two Oscar nominations, including Best Adapted Screenplay. One Oscar win, mm-hmm. Best Actress for Jane Fonda, her first Woo-hoo! Oscar for Best Actress. What did you think watching this movie again? I was just struck at how vulnerable she is. That's a word I'm going to be using a lot when it comes to her performances. Yep. She plays this character who is vulnerable, who is defiant, who is trying to be so many things. And what struck me the most about watching this again was just how layered her performance is. Definitely. And just how different she is in Clute to Because I watched 9 to 5, <laughs> and then I rewatched Clute. So it was just like a back-to-back completely different roles her as Brie Daniels I mean you know you you get the stereotype uh hooker with a heart of gold you know but she's not that at all she's a real person and you see her struggling and struggling to feel worth worthy but when she's in her element when she's doing her job yeah she's acting very very confident in control in control something that she said she loves mm-hmm. and when she starts to have feelings for John Clue the private detective played by Donald Sutherland she has to go to a therapist because she doesn't know what she doesn't want the feelings mm-hmm. she doesn't know what to do with the feelings but when she's on when she's feels good about herself yep. it is a sexy confident performance and is absolutely the reason why she won the Oscar because you mix that confidence and control with yeah. the vulnerability because you go that which is, is the real her I mean is she just putting on a mask to to get through this and she gets uh, she gets self esteem yep. from winning over these guys but then leaves and, and doesn't feel like she's worth anything more than just her body when, when near the beginning of the film when she's with one of her clients and they're making love and she looks at her watch yeah it's like whoa I it's forgot like, about that scene it's like she just wants to just wants to win them over and and then she's like, okay, I'm done. But it is a fearless performance. It sure and she is. owns it. She, she kills it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing. When you watch this movie, just watch the therapist scenes and know that they were improvised. Oh, they were. They were all improvised. And Jane asked specifically for a female therapist in the role because she felt like uh, Brie would open up more to another woman, right. woman and also feel defensive as well, having to, you know, say why she enjoys her job. Uh, but just those scenes by themselves just show what an incredible performer she is. Jane Fonda has said, I hate to look at my movies because I always want to do them again. Clute is different. I nailed that. Wow. And she knows it, and she we did. knew it watching it. She just like absolutely nailed it. Now, when she was when she went to the Oscars, uh, she actually asked her father, the late great Henry Fonda, 
what she should say say in her speech. So he told her to say, this is a great deal to say, but I'm not going to say it tonight. And when she was giving her Oscar acceptance speech, that was part of what she said. Yeah, that's so, great. uh, the Time Magazine at the time, Jay Cox said, Fonda makes all the right choices here from the mechanics of her walk and her voice inflection to the penetration of the girl's raging psych. It is a rare, fantastic performance. Time Magazine 1971. I just want to say welcome to Dalen Bonner, who is watching Profiles for the first time live on YouTube. And a lot of people haven't seen Clute or many of uh, Jane Fonda's movies. So do yourself a favor and watch it. It definitely holds up. I was sucked into the story. It's a, you know, he, the, the director is known for his political thrillers, but this feels almost like a horror. It, it's like a horror thriller. It does. Well, the music so is creepy. very eerie. The music is really eerie. This is actually part one of Alan J. Pacula's unofficial paranoid thriller trilogy. trilogy yep. The second one being the Parallax View, and of course the third one was All the President's Men, mm. which is just but a But I think it feels topper. different to the other two. It definitely, yeah. I mean, it's like unofficial. Yeah. You know, it's never like, I'm going to make a paranoid thriller trilogy. <laughs> but it, it is a film that is very intense and suspenseful. And the fact that the score is just so eerie, it is not the kind of movie that you think it is. Oh, she plays a call girl. Oh, I know what this movie's going to be. She, yep. just, she seduces the pirate detective. And she falls in love with uh, him. It's and much, much, that. much deeper than that. Much deeper than that. And because we got no love for Clute on our profiler's Facebook page, I want you guys to let us know once you see it. That's my challenge. Go watch Clute and then tweet us or write on our Facebook page and, and let, let us, us know what you think. What We'd you love think. to hear. And I, you know, when we do a profile on someone who, like a lot of our fans and viewers or listeners, know about yeah, that's cool and fun. But I think it's more rewarding for both of us mm-hmm. when people watch a show like this. They go, hmm, you know, I've never seen one of Jane Fonda's movies. And we, we're careful not to spoil things. Uh, absolutely. So we, we give you just enough, but don't worry. You've still got lots of surprises when you see these movies. But more than any other profile we've done, episode 44 here, for 44. us to be able... 44. Uh, to be able to introduce people to Jane Fonda's career yeah, that's so cool. uh, would, would be such a, an honor. It would be an honor. A- absolutely. Well, she's got a lot of interesting trivia oh yeah i was sifting through it all hit me with one okay i'm gonna hit you with one that she actually (laughs) turned down norma ray oh wow which earned sally field an academy award well i have one which i know you've written down as well which was she was offered the role of nurse ratchet in one flew over the cuckoo's nest she turned that one down that also won an oscar for its actress uh uh, the louise fletcher yeah uh well did you know that Jane and Henry Fonda are the only father-daughter couple to receive Oscars for lead roles. In the same year, too. In the same year? Well, no, actually, they're the first father-daughter team to be nominated for an Oscar in the same year. Oh, right. Okay, for On Golden As Pond. well as that. Yes. Because yeah. well, she that's would have been cool. supporting for On Golden Pond. Well, did you know that On Golden Pond, on the set, Michael Jackson visited Jane Fonda and apparently skinny dipped on set with her. So there you go. <laughs> That's very random trivia. A little bit of trivia. But yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> and did you know, speaking of musicians here, that Jane Fonda was taught how to play guitar by David Crosby. Pretty oh, cool. Pretty and cool. one last little bit that Give I it. didn't know until I started doing my research. Her production company, IPC Films, do you know mm. what it stands for? It stands for, uh, I'm going to guess, Indochina Peace Campaign. <laughs> yeah, good guess. <laughs> or you just read the notes that you've written down. <laughs> yeah, but that is correct. That is correct, Scott Mess. The answer I had it written down, I had to peek. All right, well, Moving let's on. go on to our Fast Five. Number three is... I'm afraid of him. Well, he's afraid of you. So you should get along fine. Oh, on Golden, Golden Pond. Pond released in 1981 Good cost year. 15 million to make. Box office was 119.2 million dollars domestically. It was the second highest grossing film of 1981 behind 1981. Can you guess? Uh, no. that was 82. <laughs> I'm Close. terrible with that. It is directed by Spielberg. It is Raiders oh, of the Lost Raiders, Star. Very, course. very close. See, well, I'm terrible at dates. Directed by Mark Rydell. Based on the play by Ernest Thompson, who wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Ten Oscar nominations, including picture, director, supporting actress for Jane Fonda. Three wins. Best actor, Henry Fonda. Best actress, Catherine Hepburn. Mm. An adapted screenplay. Watching this movie, watching acting talent on that level just makes your jaw hit the floor. It does. And it reminds me that legends, they, 
they're, they're legends for a reason, if that makes sense. Like, I was watching Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda and then Jane Fonda as well, and just these three heavyweights of acting and the, the kind of nuances they bring to their characters and yeah. the, the different ways that they will say dialogue that you might not expect. And they make it all feel very natural and completely round out the characters. I was watching this on a bus to Mount Fuji oh, in Japan, cool. <laughs> sitting next to my friend Lucy. Lucy Armstrong. Yeah, she's the best. I went to school with her and she looked over my shoulder. She was like, it looks like a boring film. They're just sitting on boats and talking. And I'm like, no, it's, a, yeah, it could appear that way, but because of the characters and the acting, it is so much more than that. I mean, Jane had wanted to work with her father, Henry Fonda, for a long time. And she'd hoped that working with him would kind of help mend a bit of their strained relationship. And I think it's that raw quality in those scenes. Sure. You can tell it's, it feels so real. It's, yeah. it's vulnerable. Again, vulnerable is going to be my keyword. <laughs> um, and also heartbreaking. There's that moment when he goes, I just don't think we like each other very much. I was yeah. like, oh, to have your father say that to you? And the like, tears Whoa. in that scene were genuine because of the, the movies just sort of mirrored in, in, I don't want to say an exact way, but mm. it depicted their own rift in real life. So the art was imitating life. Yep. But Jane Fonda purchased the rights to this so that her father could make it. Yeah. Now, when he won the Oscar for Best Actor, he wasn't at the Oscar ceremony. He was too ill to make it. So in accepting the Oscar on Henry Fonda's behalf, she said, I'll bet when he heard the news just now, he said, hey, ain't I lucky? As if luck had anything to do with it. And Henry Fonda died just five months later in August of 1982. Oh, wow. I mean, they'll always have that movie together, which is really special. And Ebert says, Roger Ebert said that, you know, if we've heard that Jane and Henry had had some problems that they um, that they have in this story, does it make the movie simple gossip? No, not if the movie deals honestly with the problems as this does. And that's what I feel like. It could, it could be a bit tabloidy because it's, you know, they're mirroring their real relationship. But no, because it's played so real, it really affects you. you know, one of the things about watching movies again, whether it's for profiles or for anything, just... To have gone that long without seeing On Golden Pond. Mm. I mean, I did see it when it came out in 81, but I mean, I was 12 or 13. So I mean, have, what do you remember about that? And what kind of perspective do you have on film when you're exactly. that young anyway? But yeah, watching now it you now, can relate to it more with relationships with your, your own parents. Uh, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And how you felt as a kid. You've got the boy who's 13, who's like stranded with these old people. But also just watching acting talent at work like Henry Fonda <sighs> yeah. and Catherine Hepburn and Jane Fonda in the same movie. Even Hello, Dabney Coleman, Catherine. you know, he wasn't, he wasn't caricature like he was in some of his other films. It was nice to see him play something real. Yeah, but, he's uh, still it, very funny. And, you know, we didn't really get any comments for this movie either on our Facebook page. But there's so a testament it. that just people just watch these movies. These are the greats. We are profiling these actors and actresses and directors for a reason. And these movies to make our Fast Five, mm -hmm. it is... There's there are big reasons, so please watch Clute and watch On Golden Pond. Mm -hmm. These are great movies, and again, let us know what you think. I mean, Jane has a fairly small role in On Golden Pond compared to Henry and Catherine, but right. man, she makes an impact. And she also has an amazing body in this movie. Good oh, God! Gosh, that workout <laughs> tape really really does works. work, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of other great movies that didn't make our Fast Five. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, go to the others, and there are mm -hmm. a lot of others to touch base on. One of the first ones, uh, a movie that I did rewatch recently that did not make our Fast Five is They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Mm -hmm. This came out in 1969, directed by Sidney Pollack, and nine Oscar nominations, including the first one for Jane Fonda, and this was a movie that sort of takes place at a dance marathon during the Great Depression, and it was an allegory, even though it takes place in the 30s, it was an allegory for the aimlessness of the 60s. Yep. And as a powerful film, it is a turning point in Jane Fonda's career, coming just a year after Barbarella, which established her at a sex symbol. Yeah, he showed she really had those acting chops. Exactly, and yeah. Julia from 1977 mm -hmm. kept that going because she was Oscar nominated for this role. Probably one of her most dramatic roles that she's done. She plays playwright Lillian Hellman during the 1930s smuggling money into Nazi Germany for her friend who's played by Vanessa Redgrave. And this, this was Meryl Streep's first film, I think. Yes, it was. 1977. Seven. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. 
Meryl Streep's first movie. Yeah. Crazy. And there's Jane Fonda. <laughs> and uh, Vanessa Redgrave. I love, you know, I mean, though, it's fun. It's fun with Dick and Jane. <laughs> yeah. You know, no pun intended. I haven't also, seen this one. It's I've good. seen the, the remake. Oh, with the, with the Jim Carrey? Yeah. Oh, come on. This is the movie you want to see. And, yeah. you know, nothing too much at stake. I mean, it's, it's sort of a post-water gig, you know, the 70s, you know, with, remember the gas crisis and everything? A lot of people were, were struggling. And here's a well-to-do couple that lost everything and they had to resort to a life of crime. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Jane Fonda and George Siegel have a lot of good chemistry together and it's again it's entertaining and it's a pleasure after heavy films like Julia which came out the same year to see Jane Fonda do a comedy well another one that's a lot of fun is Barefoot in the Park 1967 Wimbledon Dreamboat Robert Redford Redford. I mean these two together just just so wonderful and it's a romantic comedy set in New York which is my favorite of all the romantic comedy types apart from Man Up which is in London but everyone knows I'm obsessed with that Uh, it's a really funny movie (laughs) yeah eight times I've seen that movie Um, and it's a really funny comedy Barefoot in the Park so it's one worth seeing again and it's also the first uh, not the first it was one of three movies and soon to be a fourth that she is making with Robert Redford. Yeah, First yeah. one being The Chase and the third one being The Electric Horseman in 1979. Mm-hmm. Really charming, really funny, good chemistry between the two of them based on the play by Neil Simon who wrote the screenplay. And even though it's cheesy, I do love Barbarella. I do as well. Come on. I mean, it's, it's a cheesy. sexy sci-fi spoof very sexy what's not to love but it's very much of its time very much but it's so much fun i mean i've seen star trek episodes that had better production values <laughs> than than this movie that came out in i know but it is so iconic for very good reason so when you watch it if you haven't seen it then you'll get a lot of references that have been used after that about barbarella and you will know where duran duran the music group <laughs> yes. got its name oh yeah okay finally but i also want to point out just just a little a little another film which she only appears in briefly but it's a documentary which mm-hmm. is i love and i think it's important to see it's called misrepresentation Mis- yeah. you're gonna say <laughs> i love yeah, this I love documentary uh it's about media and how it affects the self-esteem of young girls watching it when all they're given is images of sex symbols of you know stereotypical characters you know of not even being on screen uh and it looks at news and magazines as well as movies and jane fonda appears and she speaks very eloquently about it so it's definitely worth checking out what year did that come out because i know i saw it at sundance i think it was like what 2013 yeah it's a couple years a couple couple of years ago and it was one of the first movies i saw that really set me on my my path to be like all right we need to talk about this we need to change things so in addition to all the movies that we are talking about (laughs) so yes please go and watch miss representation yeah. that is a movie that is absolutely it's an eye opener gains more relevance as the years progress well then we had our brackets, brackets yes. on our facebook page profiles with malone and mance which this week were run by steve zissou yay steve <laughs> justin, justin. <laughs> she won't tell anyone they did the best performances by jane fonda and it got down to clute versus nine to five which one do you think got got the the winning the winning vote Please say Clute. It was Clute. Yes. Yes. All right. Good. Yes. It had to be Clute because she won an Oscar. Her first. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. She has more of a role in that one. Obviously. Okay. Now that brings us to our Fast Five coming in at number two, which is. Yep. We're going to Ventana. That's great. Yeah. You got to be there one thirty. Wait. What about the crew? What about Richard Hector? <laughs> no, they'll pick you up and you can all drive up together. Right. Okay. The China Syndrome. Uh-huh. Whoa. Whoa. Watching this movie, released on March 16th, 1979, directed by James Bridges. It cost $6 million to make. Box office was $52 million. Four Oscar nominations, which seems a bit low given the power of this film. <laughs> Original screenplay, art direction, actor Jack Lemmon, and actress Jane Fonda's fifth Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon. <laughs> what a performance in this movie. Oh, I love now, him. here is a film where life imitated art. Oh, yeah. I was reading about the Three Mile Island scare, which I didn't know anything about. Okay. I knew all about it because Three Mile Island is two hours from Philadelphia. Yeah. So when this happened, 
everybody in Philly lost their stuff. We mm. were freaking out. I mean, everybody was because it was a really, really big deal. Twelve days after the release of this film, Three Mile Island had a potential meltdown, just like the one you see depicted in this movie. The worst accident in U.S. power plant history. It was rated five on the seven-point scale for international nuclear events. Wow. The movie was even pulled from some theaters. Oh, really? And, and it is a gripping movie very very intense mm-hmm. and very very real and it is a powerful powerful film my favorite of all the films that we've been talking about so far today oh, really? yeah really really amazing it's it's smart mm-hmm. it's scary as hell it is a tension-filled paranoid thriller mm-hmm. more than the others like uh definitely more than clue but it is just a news crew that is in the wrong place at the right time and i love the scene when Michael Douglas, who produced the movie, yep, and plays the cameraman, and plays the cameraman, long he's hair. like with the long hair and the beard, right? Yeah, <laughs> and love this it. is like you know, um, but you know, so they're up watching the meltdown happen, and she th- just motions to him like, "Are you filming this?" And you see him really subtly nod his head. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a great scene. It's that's filled with great scenes great scene more towards the end with Jack Lemmon and Jane Fonda together oh yeah and they had such great chemistry at creating this friendship that develops over the movie and during this time Jane only wanted to make films which focused on important issues and she turned down a role in an unmarried woman because she felt it wasn't relevant at the time but for me I really love the way this movie and also coming home you know they're obviously issues that she felt very passionate passionate about but she played characters who don't necessarily turn into rebels activists on the front line but they just change their perspective completely and and they change from start to end so she starts out as you heard that little bit she's this oh great up and go yeah, like she does like the soft lightweight news. stories you know she's ambitious she wants to do more but she's quite happy just to have her job and, and, she and she's also hard working gets her chance and has to prove not just to her bosses but to herself but by the end she doesn't care she's just as she just is passionate about this she wants the world to know the truth and she just wants it to know them to know that one way or the other i just love seeing the, like had the passion that she has towards the end watching the china syndrome because i watched this movie first and then went back to watch the others yep. so i'm sitting there watching this movie and it occurred to me what actress today reminds me of jane fonda back in those days who, who, who do you think you? i'm thinking Kate of Blanchett? uh Amy Adams. Oh, Amy Adams because of the the toughness and the, the toughness and movies like you know the, the the fighter. Yeah, but also the, the the they look very similar. Yeah, like if you look at Amy Adams now and you look at Jane Fonda like in the late seventies and early eighties, they look very very similar. And I mean that as a compliment to both of those actors. Like you could imagine Amy Adams if they did a remake of it today. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. if they did a remake of the China Syndrome. I also also love the way you watched how news was done back then, shot on film. Shot on so film. Like, like, uh, go process this, and then it takes ages to process it. Whereas these days, would be like camera phone, yeah, tweet it, yeah, the news is the out there. They would have to all that on their iPhone. Um, but there's no score, uh, which was a good idea. Oh, yeah. You know, Michael Douglas, as the producer said, let's just go for the realism of this movie. And in his review for the New York Times in 1979, Vincent Canby said, "The three stars are splendid." But Miss Fonda is more than that. Mm-hmm. Her performance is not that of an actress in a star's role, but that of an actress creating a character that happens to be major within the film. She keeps getting better and better. Well, Roger Ebert says, Jane Fonda is simply superb as the TV reporter. The range and excellence of her performance is wonderful. Yeah, she's incredible. She, it's, a, in and it's a movie that, like, by the time it was over, I realized I had not been breathing for almost <laughs> no. two hours because it's so intense. Jack and the, the crisis of conscience that Jack Lemmon has in this movie. About being a whistleblower. I, I mean, he is so frigging great. And I'm thinking... Mm-hmm. We should do him on profiles one of these days. Oh, I love him. We <laughs> should definitely awesome. take him. Well, Liam Low Grand, I wanted to read his comment. Australia. Yay, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. He says, over 35 years later, the the China syndrome has never felt more relevant than ever. Director James Bridges does an excellent job of addressing the dangers of nuclear power without beating audiences over the head with a cliched message associated with preserving the environment. However, at the end of the day, this is a truly fantastic film about investigative journalism. I can (laughs) never say that word. That is elevated by Jane Fonda's incredible performance. Kimberly Wells is a layered and independent character that isn't oppressed by a male 
dominate working environment. True. She stands for feminism in a positive manner and she's able to demonstrate to audiences the gender inequality gap evident in the entertainment industry. This film perfectly demonstrates why I love Jane Fonda for her strong female characters. Well said, Liam well Legrand. Well said, Liam Legrand. And Britton Dower says, I first saw the China Syndrome on the Turner Movie Classics channel. I was studying for an exam and just had the TV on in the background. I didn't get any studying done because the movie instantly captivated me. The tension jumps off the screen and I couldn't stop watching. Fonda is fantastic and has great chemistry with Jack Lemmon, who turned in a masterful performance as well. Both were Oscar-worthy nominees, uh, but it's just too bad they had to go up against Kramer versus Kramer. Even though the statement the movie made feels a bit dated, the tension and potential danger still hold up in the movie. If anyone hasn't seen the film, especially if you're watching Profiles or listening right now, they should make it a serious effort to watch. Yes, please do so mm-hmm. and enjoy. Keep up the great work. Hashtag Film Geek. Hashtag Profile for Life. Smile emoticon added on the end there. And Bill Polahan, who's watching live, says, if you watch Jane Fonda movies, you'll grow to be fond of her. Now, I'm excited about this next bit, Scott, because I was away. We got this rare opportunity to sit down with the woman herself, Jane Fonda. I've been lucky enough to talk to her before. But I was jealous that you got to do it. But I said, Scott, you have to make this happen. Please go out there. And, of course, you did a wonderful job. Well, this one was for you, Alicia Malone. I mean, you were there with me in spirit and (laughs) and definitely right at the top of the show. I specifically said, this is Profiles (laughs) with my co-host, Alicia Malone. (laughs) Um, Now, her movie is called Youth. Yes. The movie co-stars or really stars Michael Caine and uh, Harvey Keitel, Rachel Weisz, this have you seen it? No. Okay. I cannot wait. You will love it. I heard Profilers it. will love it. It is an exceptional film, a true work of art that reminded me of Fellini, mm, an abstract movie. It is just nothing like it today. Amazing performances. It is a meditation on growing old, mm-hmm. hence the title, Youth. Jane Fonda does not have a big role. It is not a huge role. But boy, when she comes in with her two scenes, she snaps it right out of from under everyone else. Mm. She steals this movie, and even though, again, it is a brief role, it is a substantial performance, one that she should get nominated for, and one that is a reminder, wow, she is still a force to be reckoned with, yeah. an amazing actress. So well, you here, got a brief interview, but a substantial one. I'll take it. So here is, is the, the conversation, conversation with Jane Fonda. Roll it. Scott Nance for Profiles. Jane Fonda, thank you so much for joining us on Profiles. Our show is really, you're what our show is all about. Me and my co-host, Alicia Malone, we profile the greatest filmmakers of all time. We celebrate their accomplishments. So thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. I'm very honored that you consider me among... Well, absolutely. We couldn't wait to talk with you. But, you know, starting with youth, what was it about Brenda? You know, this this role, it doesn't have a whole lot of screen time, but it's such a rich character. What was it about Brenda that you just relished the chance to play her? Paolo Sorrentino. Yeah. I, I, want, I accepted to do it before I ever read the scene. Oh, wow. I just, I wanted to work with Paolo Sorrentino. I had seen Il Divo. I had seen The Great Beauty. Um, it doesn't happen very often that you get to work with someone like him. I mean, he's he's unique. He's like Fellini or Antonioni. It's a very special kind of talent, almost surreal. He writes and directs and is very meticulous, and I just thought it would be a grand ad- adventure. And then when I read the scene, I thought, yeah, this is this is good. It's really good. I mean, there's a, there's a certain, like, a Nora Desmond-esque quality to her that is uh, both riveting and, and heartbreaking at the same time. Hmm. But, uh, you know, just I'm like, maybe think back to, to just so many great performances in your career. And I know we don't, we don't have a whole lot of time. So I'm going to mention either a film or one of your co-stars. Mm-hmm. And I would love if you could just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind, whether it's a moment, a favorite memory. So let's start with They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Mm-hmm. What's the first thing that comes to your mind from the making of that film? Oh. That's a breakthrough performance. It was the first time in my career, and I had made quite a lot of movies by then, Yeah, um, that I was making a movie that had something to say about what was happening in the world then. That's right. You know, it was an existential novel about greed. Moving on to 1971, Clute, Donald Sutherland. 
first Oscar. How special was that role, especially because, again, 1971, there was still a lot going on in the world? Uh, was It was not as sort of a social commentary as they shoot horses, don't they? But it was a great role, multidimensional role of a prostitute. And um, I went into it thinking I wouldn't be able to do it. And then uh, it was one of the great experiences to work with Alan Pakula. Oh, he's just such a great, great filmmaker. I I really miss him as a filmmaker because I just watched it. It's a fantastic movie on every level, the music, the sound. um, The performances. (laughs) Yeah, the cinematography. I want to ask you about an actor who you've worked with quite a few times. You're about to work with him again, yes. Robert Redford. Right. He's my favorite. Um, he's funny. He's very smart. Uh, we have such a history together. You know, we first worked together in the early 60s, and um, we both grew up here in yeah. Los Angeles. And uh, we, we have a lot of things in common. We love solitude. We love the wilderness. We love horseback riding. And um, so I'm... I'm crazy about him. I always fell in love with him. Every film we did together, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> a fourth film together now coming up. Well, another film, and this one this is one that you really work closely, the development, that the screenwriter, uh, this was a very, very important film for you. Tell me about, about Coming Home. Ah. Well, I had, been, I had worked for three years prior to making Coming Home with Vietnam veterans yeah. and active duty servicemen and their wives, and I had visited VA hospitals, and I wanted to make a movie that showed the reality of coming home from that particular war. And, um, you know, a lot of what I learned is actually in the movie, in the script, and uh, I'm very, very proud. And I feel so lucky that Hal Ashby directed it, that I had a chance to work with Hal Ashby I, I, I got to tell you, I have, I'm a huge Beatles fan, and I've never listened to Strawberry Fields Forever the same way again after seeing that movie. The way he used music yep. in all his movies, but, for, you know, Cat Stevens in Harold and Maude, which I just, I've got Goose Flesh, which I saw recently, but he, you know, he was a genius. But what's so great about being a, an actor is that you get an opportunity to work with all these different people. They're all puppeteers, but they all have a different way of pulling the strings. You know, Fred Zinneman, who directed me and Julia, would only do one take unless the camera broke. Wow. (laughs) Um, Hal Ashby would would shoot 40 takes and print them all in the days when it was film. And, And then, you know, because he came from the world of editing, he would sculpt his film from bits and pieces of all the things that he printed. Hal Ashby was like a psychologist. He would burrow into the psyche of the characters that he was working with and particularly had a sensitivity to women. You know, they're all different. And and that's what I feel so lucky to be in this profession. Well, I feel so lucky to be in this profession as well, and I cannot thank you enough for joining us on Profiles. Thank you. Wonderful interview. Thank Thank you for having me. Wow. You get a high five for I that. I get a high Scott. five for that. Hooray! Yeah, you did so good. What I love She's is like, so you know, lovely. She, she, you know, the first, the top of the interview, it was like, it was the first interview of the day. Oh, so yeah, you were the warm up. I was the warm up, but she warmed up pretty fast. Yeah. And I just love that by the end of the interview, it was like, that was, that was like the, the gold mm-hmm. because she was really opening up and She's she was just so genuine. intelligent. She's very eloquent. I like that she really considers everything that she's saying. Yeah. Because her words have such power. Uh, and just to hear her speak about all the movies she's done, it's awesome to hear. I just wanted to talk about China Syndrome because it was so close, literally, to home for me mm-hmm. when that when that happened. And I wanted to know her take on when Life Imitated Art, just 12 days after the movie released. But we'll have that conversation another time. Yeah. And yes, I, I mean, wait till you see youth. You're going to love it. Oh, You're all going to love it. I it loved is the great, the great beauty. I saw that at Cannes uh, a couple of years ago and I was just enthralled by it. It's so I'm fantastic. sure I will love you. Well, now that brings us to number one on which our fast five, is... which is, it has to be. We never managed to talk about that. We... No, we don't. <laughs> 
Uh, coming, coming home. home released December fifteenth, nineteen seventy eight. Directed by Hal Ashby, cost three million to make. Box office was thirty three million dollars. Eight Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director, three wins, original screenplay, Best Actor John Voight, and Best Actress Jane Fonda. Her second. This is one of a slew of films about Vietnam that came out around that time. Mm-hmm. The Deer Hunter was that year. Following year after that was Apocalypse Now. This is a movie that still whoa has a lot to say sure does and once again based on a concept conceived by jane for her production company you know she wanted to make a film about the vietnam experience and like she was just saying in that interview about what it was like for soldiers to come home from that terrible war and she had a friendship with ron kovic who of course was played by Tom Cruise in Born the 4th, 4th of, of July. July. So that influenced a lot of, of what she wanted to say, particularly about the VA hospitals. And again, similar to the China Syndrome, I love that her character, who starts out as this, you know, very um, proud military wife conservative. and then conservative, just doesn't quite understand everything that's going on, as many people didn't because it was shielded from view. And then working as a volunteer in the hospital, the things she sees and things she hears, it completely changes her beliefs and then trying to deal with her new romance and then her her husband coming back. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a lot going on. And once again, just a brilliantly layered, complex character who has a huge journey without changing 180 degrees, if that makes sense. Yeah, she does, so but she's not. It's not like a cartoonish version. It's very realistic and raw. It's a, ver- a raw film. It's a, it's an uncompromising film. Mm-hmm. And a lot of attention goes to John Voight and Jane Fonda, obviously, because they oh, won Oscars for their so roles. But Bruce Dern is fantastic. The change that he goes through when he comes yeah. back, he is changed. I know. If finds- you've only seen him in Nebraska, you should definitely watch him in Coming yeah, Home. Yeah, Coming Home is fantastic. <laughs> and when, when he comes back, he's changed. Of course, she has changed. And she's got something going on. And the, the the three of them together, even though they only have really have one scene together, it is just acting at its finest. And even though this movie it's it's hard to, it's a little hard to find, I had to watch it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It is it's amazing how powerful it still is, even though it came out in seventy eight. It's about Vietnam and like the music, the soundtrack is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, of course, you had to mention the Beatles of because you always do at least once. That should be another drinking game. You yes. know, you should take an entire shot well, every when, time I mention the Beatles. But <laughs> it, the music is incredible. I was thinking when I was watching this, and I'd never seen Coming Home. I'd heard about it. I had never watched it until this week, and I was watching it, going, "This soundtrack would be awesome." Yeah, the Stones, Simon and Garfunkel, <laughs> every uh, every like every classic seventies song, sixties songs, sixties and seventies. Roger Ebert said the movie is an extraordinarily moving film. Coming Home is great filmmaking and great acting at its finest. Interesting that uh, Luke Martin, the character played by John Voight, uh, that following actors turned that role down. Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Stallone turned down Coming Home. And John Voight was so brilliant and very different to his character in Midnight Cowboy. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, shows his range too. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, people think of John Voight differently now than they did, but back in the day, I mean, he was just one of the best actors of of that time. You and definitely see it with this film. Well, Rachel Cushing, yay, who always, watching. always is such a great writer. She's watching live. knows her movies. Hello, Rachel. Hello. You're the best, Rachel. She Hi. said this about coming home, and I think perfect that she gets the last word because she says it so beautifully. Though there are many incredibly strong films about the psychological and emotional trauma caused by the Vietnam War, coming home is one of the most moving. As Sally, the wife of a, of a Marine who goes off to fight, Jane Fonda perfectly portrays the slow growth of a conservative woman who didn't understand how to be herself outside of her marriage. True. When she learns to be in Independent and think for herself. She falls in love with the wheelbarrow chair vet Luke, played by John Voight. Their tragic love story is daring, beautiful, and heartbreaking as they save each other and learn to be stronger people. The film itself is an unflinching but respectful look at life for those affected by the war. 
but ultimately it belongs to Fonda Sally as a woman who finds her inner strength to both love Luke and her husband as much as she can. It's a remarkable film that it was produced by Fonda herself, an outspoken anti-war advocate who nevertheless saw the importance of telling a story of how the war affected both its veterans as well as the people who loved them. And even though it's about the Vietnam War, sadly, I think a lot of people could relate today. Absolutely. They yeah. absolutely can relate today. And if you loved this episode of Profiles... Oh, here we go. This is it. I mean... Business time again. It's it's just... What do you mean? Quick business? Quick business. To wrap it up? Yes. Go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jet lagged. Sorry. I'm just like, where am I? Um, so, quick business. You can subscribe, rate, review on iTunes for the audio podcast. And you can go to youtube.com <laughs> backslash popcorn talk network, subscribe to YouTube and share it with your friends. You can go to our Facebook page, Profiles of Malone and Mance. Make sure you like it. Participate in the brackets. It's so much fun. And make sure you go to tpublic.com <laughs> backslash user, user backslash profiles and get your brand spanking new Profiles t-shirts whip, whip. and finally go to Twitter at my movie Mets. I was gonna oh, ask at movie Mets at Alicia Malone at movie Mets at Alicia Malone. Pause, 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 pause at movie Mets at Alicia Malone, and we will finally recap our fast five. Number five was nine to five. Number four, Clute. Number three, our golden pie. Number two, the China syndrome. And number one, coming home. I closed my book. The book is closed. The show is done. We'll be back in two weeks, and until next next time. Bye! Bye. <laughs> From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Christian Harloff, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.